Welcome to Sharpen, a series from the Alpha Psi chapter of Beta Upsilon Chi. Sharpen is a leadership development program designed to help grow and empower Christian men to become faithful leaders in their organizations, families, and workplaces. Let's get started. Welcome back for our fourth week of Sharpen. This is Above Reproach, Great Leaders Live with Unquestionable Integrity. I'm joined today by Carrie Curry, our chapter's spiritual advisor, as well as Kenneth Cooper, a former treasurer for Bucks. Welcome, man. Hey, how are you? Good to be with you. Yeah, good to see you guys. Um, yeah, so tonight we'll be talking about being above reproach and integrity. Um, you know, I want to start by saying that this has no tone of self-righteousness or judgment from me. Um, you know, th- this is actually pretty hard uh, to put content around just because, you know, I, I really don't want it to come across around as I'm on my high horse telling everyone else how to live their life. Um, you know, I, I've learned a lot from my failures, as I'm sure you guys have as well. And so today we're going to be talking just about um, from our own experience, what it means to live with integrity and why that's so important. Uh, and so um, hopefully other people can learn from our mistakes um, and and be able to use that. So just to talk a little bit about integrity, uh, I gave a talk to our chapter several months ago about integrity and, and mentioned a couple of things. So I'll go ahead and reference that. So a couple of things I mentioned is that to live with integrity, you need to be secure in your identity in Christ and living out your spiritual gifts in humility. Uh, we actually talked about that in our first session about know thyself. Uh, but it also entails living aligned to how God created us to live, being open to receiving correction, and being guided by God's Spirit in everything. So that idea on correction, I think we actually also talked about in week two, last week, if, uh, or two weeks ago, if I remember. Um, so the, the main focus today is on just living aligned, right, to how God called us to live under his word and how he moves us through his spirit. And um, this idea of living above reproach is a little bit different. So um, if integrity is more of an internal blamelessness, above reproach means uh, an external blamelessness. So it's not just doing what is permissible, but it's actually accounting for how it will be perceived by others. And this specific phrase uh, phrase that we're using, above reproach, it actually comes from 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Paul is talking about what traits to consider actually for an elder or a leader in a church. But as leaders ourselves, whether in a church context or not, it's extremely important that we are people that carry ourselves with high moral excellence and character um, because it is tied so heavily to the idea of trust within a team. And so I'll explore a little bit more what it means to live um, above reproach, and then we'll jump into how that applies to being a leader. So if you think of the word reproach, uh, it's basically just being called out for doing something wrong. And you can almost think of this as like a line in front of you where if you cross this line, you've clearly messed up and you need to be corrected. Uh, And so Paul is saying here, essentially, that Christian leaders should not only be people that don't cross the line, but they should be people that live so far away from the line of sin uh, that the thought of them crossing it is just not even a question. You can think of maybe someone you respect in your life. Maybe it's one of your parents. Uh, and let's say someone lobbed against them an uh, incredulous claim uh, against their character, maybe that they um, committed fraud or, or had an affair or something. Um, you know, 
at least for me, my mind just is not able to even fathom that as a situation because it's like, no, I, I know them, right? They, they wouldn't do that. Um, and even the most holy of people, right, can mess up and, and sometimes big time. But research study after study has shown that people don't just wake up and commit major ethical violations. It, it's almost always preceded by a pattern of questionable behavior. And so, you know, a way to conceptualize if you're living above this line of approach is can you say with full confidence to those around you what Paul commands in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, you know, I'd like to think that I could say that in some areas, but I know for sure that there's been times where I would not want someone else following my example. Uh, and so it's a pretty convicting question to ask yourself. But really what I, I want to get at with this is that it, it has less to do with whether you're actually sinning against God or not. Um, above reproach has more to do with the witness that you're putting forward and the example that we're setting as leaders. So in other words, it's not just refusing to engage in sin. It's refusing to do something that has even the appearance of sin. I've been to NLS, uh, the National Leadership Summit for Bucks, two times. And I remember both times, this is a conversation I think they have every year of just this idea of living with integrity. Something that's mentioned is this example of, say, like a brother who's spending the night at his girlfriend's house or vice versa. And that calls for, you know, having a conversation about it. And maybe the guy says, oh, well, but there was nothing going on, this and that. But it really has more to do with like, what are you communicating to those around you? What example are you setting for those that you live with, those that look up to you? Because even if you're not doing something wrong, so to speak, what does that set for the baseline of what is okay um, for someone who may not be as strong or who, who may actually fall into temptation? And so, yeah, I just bring that up because like, it's important to know that we're being watched at all times. And, you know, when you came into college, you probably looked at upperclassmen as role models. We just naturally look up to people who are older than us. And if you are even a sophomore, it, just like remember the fact that impressionable freshmen are now looking to you as the model for how they should behave. And this applies in bucks with pledges. It applies with non-believer friends who use you as their understanding of what a Christian is. And it applies in work contexts, you know, even outside of school, like just the idea that people are watching you as a leader. And especially once you have a title and you're in an actual leadership or role, uh, they're going to be looking even closer. So uh, kind of on that note, I want to turn it back to you guys and just ask generally uh, anything that you would add to that construct or that definition of integrity and being above reproach. Gosh, I think you've done a great job of just outlining that. But a catchphrase I use a lot, I know I've shared with you, is that there's all kinds of leaders, but you want to be a leader worth following. And uh, I think that comes into play more than anything else. If you, if God's uh, put you in a, a place where you're a church leader or you're an officer in Bucks or you're a leader in your workplace, uh, you want to be a leader worth following. You want people to look to you for guidance and wisdom and emulate what you've learned through life uh, so they can make an impact. And for me, that's understanding my relationship with Christ. Yeah, I think uh, this goes back to something, Isaac, that you shared when you spoke to the chapter a few months ago about integrity. Um, and it might come up today again even, but you mentioned that, I mean, it's easy to gauge the integrity 
or like the heart of a leader based on their followers, which ties mm-hmm. what Carrie was talking about. And so maybe I don't know a leader personally. I don't know them well enough to like know if they have integrity and then to gauge them based on that. But I could see it, you know, who's following them. You know, I know Carrie and if Carrie is following Isaac, you know, I trust Carrie. I love Carrie. And so Isaac must be a, a person with, worth following. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that comes into play a lot because, you know, with church leaders, you might not know them and they might put on a good face on stage and you might like to assume, yeah, they probably live above reproach. I've never seen them doing anything bad, um, but that doesn't mean they're a man of integrity. And so, you know, then you can look to the church, you can look to the congregation and it's like, okay, do these people trust him? Um, and do I trust these people? Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I mean, just the fact that this idea of having character it extends not just to how we act, but to how those that we let follow us act. So, I mean, yeah, it's like our people are a direct representation of ourself. And scripture talks about being an ambassador of Christ. So, you know, our actions and reputation is directly tied to our faith. It's tied to people we associate with and to the organizations that we're a part of. I mean, I think of like, so so what, uh, what customer service uh, is best known in the fast food industry? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, absolutely. I mean, but we say that because we associate Chick-fil-A with the associates that we interact with, with their employees. Uh, and so it's just that idea that like the brand of Chick-fil-A is tied to its people. And similarly, like the brand of Bucks or the brand of whatever company you work for, or even the brand of like Christianity, so to speak, is is tied to how people think about its followers and its people. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the only thing I might mention uh, when you said above reproach, I remember 16 years ago when I was approached to be an elder at my church, I didn't know that I could actually accept that because we all sin. We all fall short you know, of the glory of God. But the challenge was more the way you live your life and the consistency that you show each and every day. Um, and I think that, I think one of the best things that probably happened to me was to become an elder, not for the title, but for the challenge to just live my life the way that, that God wants me to live my life. And I've loved that challenge each and every day. Yeah, I think I would add too, and again, I could be getting ahead of the conversation a little bit here, but I mean, just this general idea of, I mean, we all know we're all sinners. And so none of us can truly say we have any integrity or, you know, can truly live above any reproach. Um, You know, I think we all have skeletons in the closet. And so, you know, the question that I often have is, um, you know, should we live our lives necessarily concerned with what other people think? I mean, even the Bible tells us, you know, we're not of this world. And so where does that line, you know, fall where, you know, I shouldn't be worried what other people think about me, but when I live above reproach, I need to be worried what other people think of my actions. And, um, and then just even calling out other sinners, you know, you know, to reproach somebody, the Bible calls us to do that as, as brothers and sisters in Christ to comfortably and in a direct manner, call people out um, for their sins. But at the same time, I'm full of sin. And so kind of what does that conversation look like uh, to call somebody else out and correct them when I'm struggling, maybe even with the same thing? I think too, you know, with the integrity thing, 
the the question that we should always ask ourselves, am I the man that I say I am when nobody's looking? And I think that's a great challenge for all of us uh, to just be consistent in who we say we are and to live it out. And when we struggle with that, find a brother in Christ to to share that with so that you can get back on track or work through whatever that might be. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good point. It's hard to draw that line between, well, I'm never going to be perfect. So then when do I have the authority to step in and say something if I see that it's happening? I mean, I think what the first I think of is the fact that the difference between messing up uh, versus just a life patterned by sin. Um, those are very different things. And so you should be someone who's living a life patterned by holiness with occasional mistakes. We, we all make mistakes. Um, but as the leader, especially, you need to make sure that you're carrying yourself well so that when the time comes that you need to have a hard conversation, you can do it from a place of you know, moral authority. So, I mean, to me, it makes me think of the, uh, you know, the Bucks's rule about officers not drinking during their term. Um, I mean, I'll ask you, Kenneth, like, why, why do you think we have that rule? Yeah, I think it's a good rule. Um, and I understood it coming in as an officer. It was our second semester being founded as a chapter at IU. And I think the heart of the rule is, you know, there are going to be, I mean, there are many other fraternities and there's a stigma around fraternities, especially at IU. It's a party school. And so I think people have this expectation of what a fraternity looks like. And I mean, a number of times the Bible always calls us out for living life differently. You know, people should look at somebody and, you know, their head should turn, do a double take. It's like, they're something different about them. And so I think setting an example as a leader in box, as an officer of understanding, like if I'm 21, the law says I can drink. If I'm doing it responsibly, the Bible even seems to argue that, you know, it's like drinking isn't inherently wrong. But if I'm an officer, it's like that line you were talking about. I'm so far away from that where people can't even question, like, I wonder if he struggles with alcohol. I wonder if he's, you know, anything like maybe these some of these other fraternities we've heard of. And I think as a freshman coming into IU, you know, for them to see an officer of Bucks, like so far away from that, you know, I think they'd be a lot more comfortable joining a fraternity like that, especially if maybe their faith is in question. And so I think that's the heart behind it is just knowing that, um, you know, we're going to be protected and well-guided by our leaders because we can see that they're living a life of Christ. So, look so. at the example that you're setting too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've been called to be an officer and you're taking that responsibility, then the other men in the chapter are going to watch that and you're going to want them to emulate that when they become officers too. So I think it just, uh, you know, responsibility comes with with being a leader. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, along the lines of your responsibility as a leader is like what we're talking about when you need to have that difficult conversation with a brother who, you know, got drunk underage and it's like, I need to go talk to this guy, but also like, you know, I was at the same party drinking and it's like, how do you then even have that conversation? So yeah, I mean, that's just one example of a way where as a leader, setting yourself apart, not in a, a, you know, self-righteous way, not in a look at me, I'm so perfect way, but like, you need to be setting the tone for what is expected and what is appropriate. And then you have the position to be able to address it um, when someone else does um, need to be confronted. So, yeah, I mean, there's a a quote that I really like uh, by Todd Whitaker. He says that the culture of any organization is shaped by the worst behavior the leader is willing to tolerate. And man, is that true? Like, 
it's one thing to like create an, a pretty sounding vision statement and all of that, but like you also need to actively snuff out when bad things are starting to take root um, so that you have a really healthy culture and, and that has to come from the leaders. So let's drill down a little bit more. So when we talk about integrity, um, a lot of times we learn the most from our failures. So, you know, you don't need to get too personal, but let me ask you, like, when has it been hardest for you to live with integrity and what have you learned from your failures in this area? I think the hardest thing for me, and it's probably part of the way God wired me, uh, would be if you experience hurt or, uh, an in- injustice and learning how to handle that in a godly way, because that's very difficult. You know, if you're, if your character is questioned, uh, and that does happen, you know, through life's journey, there's going to be times that, you know, you're going to uh, experience adversity. But once again, when you experience that, what we should be thinking about is what's my, re- what is my response? What's the godly response to that? And I think that's how you respond to that person. And I think human nature, uh, a lot of times you don't often react the way you should. And that's where you kind of have the five second rule or you pray about it and then you approach it. Uh, Because once again, you're still trying to maintain that consistency and that integrity. Yeah, I really like that you um, mentioned that because I think it's easy as as men, the instant sin that a lot of us think about is just um, lust or physical temptation, things like that. And that's certainly a conversation. um, And I have struggled with that in the past, but I think what Carrie mentioned is this more subtle sin that a lot of men struggle with, which is just, I mean, pride in general. Um, And that's where I see myself having a really hard time living above reproach because especially that's an easy one to be witnessed by others. Mm -hmm. Somebody says something that um, hurts my pride or questions my integrity, like Carrie said, and, you know, if you know me, I'm not a very confrontational or ang- angry person, um, but how that comes across then is I can be very sarcastic and um, mean. And I know typically what to say that can hurt somebody. And that always comes out when somebody attacks me first. And so I think that's when I'm at my weakest. You know, I've got a, I'd say a pretty sensitive pride. And when somebody calls me out for something that I'm insecure about, then it's very easy to jab back and maybe say something hurtful. And when other people are watching, that's not how we should, um, how we should be responding. And so I think that's something I've got to watch out Mm -hmm. for is just recognizing that that's an issue. And like Carrie said, I mean, it's, it's better to say nothing, you know, you don't have to be smart and witty and maybe even just change the conversation. I mean, sometimes it's just not respond, walk away, but that's something I struggle with. I have to have the last word and uh, I'm tempted to do that. And it's hard because if you just watch the world, how the world responds to things like that is exactly the opposite of how we're supposed to, but we we get a full diet of that, you know, uh, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would say for myself, it's hardest when I'm pretty sure I can get away with it, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, okay, I don't think anyone will be able to know that I did this unethical thing or whatever it is. Uh, and I can cover my tracks pretty well. It's like, that's especially hard because really the only thing holding me against it is just knowing that it'll stay on my conscience, which is, I mean, definitely a valid reason. And that's a sin against God. And I mean, that's enough of a reason. Uh, I mean, I can think of, you know, the maybe four or five biggest regrets that I have are all pretty connected to a time when I acted without integrity. Um, Times where I 
went against what I knew was right uh, for short-term personal gain. And maybe I got that gain, maybe I didn't, but at the end, like that, I still carry that with me. Uh, and it's just never worth compromising yourself for whatever that is. Right. And you know, one great test is you can justify anything in your own mind, but try to justify it to someone else. That's usually, that's the catch. And that's what we should always be doing when in our, our mind we're, we're starting to justify an action or whatever it might be. Go try to explain that. Let me try to explain that to you, Isaac, and see how you respond. Mm-hmm. And then I'll know my answer. I kind of like what both of you said. It just as a society, I feel like any sort of confrontation or anything like that, we're a lot sneakier now. You don't see people blowing up on each other, or, you know, getting in brawls in the street or whatever. You know, it's um, passive aggressive behavior. It's you know comments behind people's backs or online. You know, uh, online platforms mm-hmm. are a great way to hide intentions because you don't have to see them uh, when you hurt somebody. And I think those are just as sinful. I think it's a, a manipulation. And I think, you know, it's still a, a blemish on the heart. And like Isaac said, you know, you carry that with you, even if you could pass it off, like, oh, I was just mm-hmm. joking or like, I didn't actually hurt anybody. I'm never going to see them again. Um, you carry that with you. And I think that's, it could be even worse than just directly confronting somebody. Yeah, no, definitely. That's all good stuff. Um, let, let's go ahead and apply all of this now to within a leadership context. So we kind of talked about this with the the drinking rule with bucks, but like, let's put this in a context where maybe you're, you're leading a team of people. Uh, what makes it so important that that leader themselves is a person of integrity, even outside of, let's say a workplace. Like, why does it matter what they're doing outside of work? Let me go back to in work. Let me, uh, just because I, I have a company with, you know, a hundred and some people. Uh, one thing that I've challenged myself and where none of us are perfect, but I've always said the way I treat my employees is a direct reflection of the way my employees are going to treat my customers. And if my employees see me being sweet to a customer, but I'm barking at them, I'm not going to get the results I want because the employee is going to see that inconsistency in me. So I, I say that over and over to my leaders at work. You know, it's a direct reflection. The way you treat your people, your team, is going to be how your team's going to treat others. Yeah, that's like what we talked about last week with eating less and exactly all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always think it's a trick question, actually, because <laughs> you you said, you know, why is it important to be, you know, a, a good leader outside of a workplace? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it important to live with integrity outside of the workplace? And you mentioned it earlier that a habit of sin just breeds a life of sin. And so I almost refuse to accept that you can be above reproach outside of work and then actually be a good leader in work. You know, you might justify and think that you are. I think if you ask any of your employees or anybody that you're leading, they'd probably notice something that you're not. Um, I don't think it's as easy to flip that switch. And then even if even if you can manage to put on those two different faces, you're going to be living with that in your heart too. So. Yeah. I think as men, we like to think that we can compartmentalize things better than we actually can. Like we just can't put our life in a separate boxes once we leave an office or once we're in a different context. I mean, that's just not how character works, how ethics work. And so, yeah, I mean, the person that we are uh, in one area needs to be the person we are in every area. And just that, that sense of consistency, Carrie, you talk about being a consistent person. Um, I, I think that's so huge. 
I think I just thought of this too. I was reading out of C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters mm-hmm. the other day. And um, I hope this is pretty on track here, but basically, I mean, he was talking about how the Lord asks us to give everything to him, which, you know, as men, some of us are like, you know, I want to hold on to some of these things. But um, what's really neat is our God is one who, you know, gives and takes. And so C.S. Lewis makes this biblical argument that, you know, we give our personalities to the Lord so he can perfect it and he'll give those back. And so if we submit ourselves to who we know he wants us to be, he's going to establish that personality that people want to follow, whether it's in work, in your family, wherever. Yeah, I mean, and God is very much concerned about our uh, development, our personality, and our integrity. Uh, and this is all throughout Scripture. I mean, it's it's very supported in Scripture that he cares about uh, the example that we're setting for ourselves and for others. I think of 1 Timothy 4.12, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Um, I, actually, we have like a self-examination here that I've put together off of that verse uh, that I can transition into. Uh, I mean, you might be even thinking as you listen to this, like, hey, I'm just 19 or 20 years old. You know, who's looking up to me? Who cares how I carry myself? Like, it's college, you know, uh, everyone messes up in college. Um, but I mean, I think this verse specifically speaks to the fact that even though you're young or especially because you are young, it's important to set that example. So we'll take some time now to do some just reflective questions about each of those five categories. And I'll start by saying, you know, I myself, I've, I've acted the lack of integrity. I mean, in, in all five of these. Uh, and so this, is, again, is not me <laughs> trying to say I've got it mastered, um, but I do want to say this will probably be uh, convicting and maybe a bit uncomfortable, uh, and that's fine. You know, No judgment. I don't want to make you feel ashamed, but I do want you to honestly self-reflect. Uh, and so I'll go slowly uh, and just give you time to kind of think about all of these, and then we'll, we'll group back together. So the first is, you know, what kind of example am I setting in my speech? So do I talk more than I listen? Do I frequently uh, curse, make dirty jokes, or cut others down? Do I ever bend or manipulate the truth to get my way? Do I betray people's trust by telling others something that was shared with me in confidence? The second is in conduct. Do I follow through on my promises and strive for excellence in my work? Where do I live aligned to my convictions and where am I hypocritical? Am I living out God's word in every area of my life? Am I consistent in how I act and carry myself in all my different circles in life? The third is in love. Do I harbor resentment or unforgiveness against anyone, including myself? In what ways am I prideful? Do I invest in building and prioritizing authentic relationships? And how well do I accept love from God and others? The fourth is in faith. Am I trusting and relying on God's provision and love for everything? What all do I define myself worth by besides being a beloved child of God? Is there anything I'm not surrendering to the Lord? How often do I truly depend on God? And the last one is in purity. Am I going outside of God's design for my sexuality through my girlfriend or pornography? or any kind of lust? What kind of media am I consuming and letting influence my thought life? Do I have proper boundaries in place to avoid tempting situations, sexual or otherwise? And do I abuse any substances 
or have any unhealthy coping tools. So I, I know that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I want to take a second just to let that sink in. Um, feel free to replay that and, and listen through those and just jot down any notes. But I want to ask the two of you, like, just as you listen to that, do, do any of those stick out to you or jump out as especially convicting? Yeah, if you if you let me go first, <laughs> I um, I definitely think conduct in that section you mentioned being consistent within circles, and we were just talking about that a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. and this idea of you know fig leaves or masks or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, this idea of you know I'm one man with my wife and my family. I'm a different man as a leader in Bucks. I'm a different man you know, as a leader in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie might say the same thing. And, you know, we can't live those sorts of lives. And I was mentioning like having a solid personality in Christ, you know, we're, we're the same person in all of those. Um, so that's something I struggle with. I think a lot of men do. Um, and again, that ties back to pride it's just wanting to represent your best self in each of those circles. Um, I think, in the love category, having resentment against anybody, I don't think any of us can claim to not have some sort of hidden resentment towards you know, a father or an ex or you know whatever it might be. Um, and faith, defining self-worth, this is probably the last big one for me is what you mentioned. Um, if any of our listeners or any of you guys have read John Eldridge, he talks about this a lot, kind of that fig leaves idea too, is where's our self-worth, where's our affirmation coming from? Like I said, if it's in Christ, then we're going to have know, a solid direction um, towards who we're meant to be. And, you know, no matter what anybody tells us, we know we're living our best lives. But if our self-worth is in a relationship, you know, that we all know, we've all been there, that's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Um, as soon as things go south, I feel like I'm nothing now. And um, and so I struggle with that, you know, I finding, you know, pride not in the world, but who I am in Christ. So I think those are the big ones that stood out to me that I struggle with. I think in, in every one of those areas, you know, we'd all be lying if we didn't say there's, there's within those things that you mentioned, Isaac, there's things that we've struggled with. But I think what we, we have to realize is that uh, those are things that we want to work on. Those are things that we want to continue to, to strive to overcome. The consistency thing that you brought up, you know, and just the different roles that you have in life, where's the safest place for you to act out? It's at home. And I often think, you know, if I've had a, a challenging day and I come home and I bark at Julie, let's say I do that, you know, I have two responses. I can either say, well, you have no idea what I've gone through today, or I can say, I'm sorry. And that's really hard because of, of pride and just those types of things. But you continually work on those things. Uh, uh, in all these these areas, uh, the trust, trusting God with your life, trusting God for what he has planned for you, and understanding that in those valleys, God is the great teacher, and there's things that he has to teach us, but we have to be willing to submit to whatever uh, he has for us and know that he's got us, he's got something to show us, he's got something to teach us, and ultimately, we get to share that with others during those seasons of life when you're struggling, Isaac, I can go, you know what? I've been through that. I've been there. And here's the, the mistakes I made. So let me help you try to not do those. You know, Kenneth, you as a uh, young married, you know, the biggest challenge, uh, not challenge, the, 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 the thing I see in you is that you were the first guy in our chapter to get married. What an incredible opportunity you have to 
show the other guys what a godly marriage looks like. What a great opportunity you have to invest in other guys as they enter into that stage of life. So, but that's a growing process. You know, you're, you're navigating marriage and you're learning from it too, but you can become a great teacher. I appreciate you uh, saying that and bringing that up because I was thinking about that too. You mentioned this, you know, idea of coming home and, you know, you have no idea what I was going through, maybe coming home from a stressful day. I actually got married in the middle of my summer running my own business. Mm-hmm. And so Carrie's got... I remember got, that. Carrie's got... <laughs> you know, yeah, it was uh, probably one of the, the worst summers of my life. And Carrie's got years more business experience than I do. But I was running this small painting business in Bloomington. I had employees and I was booking the work and probably working 80 to 100 hours a week trying to get this thing up off the ground. And I very easily could have come home. I mean, I was struggling with anxiety and depression that summer. By the end of it, I really hit rock bottom. And then, you know, on the tail end of all that, I get married. And very easily, that could have been a rough start, a rocky start to a marriage. But, you know, I think we found a really good balance. Maddie was always very supportive of me. And so it was it was um, encouraging and it was healthy for me to bring those issues I was having to her and, you know, do what I needed to do before I got home to relax and get my mind off of work. But at the same time, I didn't want to be two different people with my employees and with my wife. So I told her what was going on at work. And then when I was with my employees, I was straightforward with the issues I was having with the business and tried to be as transparent as I could, whether that was for better or worse. Um, it made for at least an open, trusting relationship with all of my circles. Yeah. So a couple of things to close out just in terms of like, how do we go about becoming people who live above reproach? Let's say you're in the middle of just really battling some sin struggle. Let's say you're an addiction to pornography or, or let's say you're struggling with uh, your relationship with alcohol, whatever it is. Um, like, how do you get out of that? And how do you go from being in a sin battle to seeing victory in that and living a life that is above reproach? I'll start off again. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> a heavy Excuse question. <laughs> yeah. I think the cliche answer that probably everyone expects, but it's so true, is just, you know, you can't fight any battle alone. And people will say, like, everything's possible through Christ. And so maybe you're tempted to think, oh, it's just me and prayer. And prayer is huge. Absolutely. You have to turn to that. But like, Christ is represented in your brothers and sisters. And so it's not just me in a bedroom asking God, like, hey, help me get over this. I mean, I need to go to people mm-hmm. like Carrie and Isaac um, and people in Bucks and my wife and you know, anybody I know that has a solid relationship with Christ who can hold me accountable or who will just listen to me vent and get things off my chest and you know, who can follow up with me, I think is a big thing and share you know, similar issues like, hey, man, I've, I've been struggling with that exact same thing, too. So um, I think it's pivotal to find somebody else to share that with. Right. And the term that we use so often is accountability. But it's it's a great word because uh, finding that person that you can trust and be accountable to, uh, knowing that you are struggling with something is is huge. It really is huge. And once again, I always say it's the response. What's the response to my sin? So I can hide it, or I can confront it head on. Yeah, no, I would agree with all of that. I mean, it takes accountability. It takes humility to bring it into the light. Uh, and it takes being willing to even ask for forgiveness from people you need to apologize to, uh, if that's part of it. Uh, but there is healing and there's hope 
um, and God has enabled you to live a life of integrity, the life that he wants you to live um, as a man and as a leader, um, that is something that you can do. And uh, yeah, it takes bringing people into it, but um, there's definitely a way out. So uh, I want to end on that note. I, I, I thank you guys so much. Um, this has been Kerry Curry and Kenneth Cooper talking on being above reproach and living a life of integrity. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see you next week.